you are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we are going to preview this four-game series coming up that starts today between the Orioles and the Seattle Mariners at Camden Yards. Now, we have a special guest coming on the pod, Michael Ahedo is the guest for this one. He is the co-host of the Never Sunny in Seattle podcast over at Pitcher List covering the Mariners. He also writes for Pitcher List and writes for Lookout Landing, the Mariners SB Nation blog. He joined us uh, on Monday afternoon, actually, to talk about the series. Now, we had planned to uh, just preview the final three games of the series, of course, recording Monday afternoon, but posting the episode on Tuesday. But then the rain came to Baltimore on Monday night, postponed the game. It will be a doubleheader for the O's and the Mariners starting at 4 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday. So we will get this podcast out to you before any games between the Orioles and the Mariners. Now, when we do talk about starting pitchers, we don't talk about the game one matchup, uh, which is Dean Kramer for the Orioles against just Sheffield for the Mariners. We will get to that a little bit later uh, at the end of the pod. But all of that is coming up on this episode of the Lockdown Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown Orioles sent you. So without further ado, we're going to get right into our interview. It is Michael Ahedo. Again, he is the co-host of the Never Sunny in Seattle podcast, also writes for Lookout Landing, covering the Seattle Mariners in both of those places. And we preview the upcoming four-game series between the O's and the M's. And Michael, first of all, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm uh, I'm excited to, to see... Uh, you know, how the, the series pans out. Um, I think the Mariners and the Orioles have both kind of been uh, surprises on the season, so it should be fun. Yeah, so we have you on to, you know, we'll say preview this Orioles-Mariners series. Now, full disclosure, we are recording this here Monday afternoon, Eastern time. Uh, you, the listener, are listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, so we're not going to get too much into tonight's game because that would have already happened uh, but we're going to look at, you know, the final three games of this four game set at Camden Yards between the Mariners and the Orioles and the Mariners come in at five and four. And we know, you know, these two teams were not expected to win a whole lot of baseball games. Uh, but Seattle just came off of, you know, a, a somewhat impressive weekend uh, against the Minnesota Twins, where they took two of three. Uh, they've played some wild baseball games uh, in their first nine games of the year. So, you know. If there was one, maybe one thing about this Mariners team that has gone better than expected to allow them to get to five and four, what has that been through nine games? Um, it's been kind of interesting. Uh, the the guys that have you know supposedly been kind of the locks to provide us with, I don't know, just strong performances haven't really been there. Uh, namely, I think Marco Gonzalez has had two pretty shaky outings. Uh, his command. Obviously, he's a command first pitcher. It just hasn't really been there. So he's got, kind of gotten shelled. But um, I think on the whole, it's just been like Evan White has has stepped up a little bit since last season. He still hasn't been amazing. Um, but we really just have a much fuller lineup. And that's um, 
I guess Evan White actually has has kind of continued to struggle, but just like he 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 looks like a better hitter at the plate, and we don't we still don't have to really rely on him. Uh, Mitch Haniger's back. Kyle Lewis is is still gone, so we don't even have all of our guys back. Um, but I think uh, yeah, we we just have kind of a, a more of a major league um, lineup, and then we have guys like Chris Flexen now and a strong because we have the worst bullpen in in baseball last year. Um, and now we have probably a, a middle of the road one, which is a huge upgrade. Um, so really I, I think on the whole, it's, it's a step forward, um, in talent in the rotation, um, just a more complete lineup and then an actual bullpen that isn't like literally, uh, I think our war was negative last year. I don't remember, but very bad. And not what you want. The, the Orioles also used to having a pretty rough bullpen. Uh, but I wanted to ask you about a couple of the hitters specifically. And first, you know, with this team, you know, in this rebuild, the trades they've made, the guys they've called up, it, it kind of gets forgotten that Kyle Seeger is still in the middle of this lineup. And Kyle mm-hmm. Seeger has had a really good start to his season. So, you know, is that another thing that really helps this Mariners team that you know a lot of these young guys are going to go through their slumps, go through their growing pains. But, you know, at age 33, if Kyle Seeger is still producing at this level, that's got to help out really everybody in that lineup. Yeah, he's just such a constant. Um, last year, I wrote up an, an article pretty, like, kind of in the early goings, um, in which I kind of compared him to, like, Michael Brantley because he had just changed his approach completely from uh, kind of a guy sort of in the same vein as like Alex Bregman, where he just pulls a lot of fly balls that aren't hit particularly hard, but you know, a number of them go over the fence. Uh, And he kind of shifted into more of a ground ball contact oriented guy. Um, It went away obviously, but like he looks like he's kind of back as a hitter. Um, And obviously he slimmed down, he changed his diet and everything, which helped him on the base paths. And as a fielder, I think, um, but yeah, he, he looks like he's, you know, just going to do the same thing this year. And I hope, I hope the Mariners extend him. It's only, you know, another year at uh, maybe like 20 million or something. And I'm sure they're not going to, um, but yeah, it looks like he's, he's set for another strong year. And then I wanted to ask you about somebody we are finally getting to see in the big leagues. And that is Taylor Trammell with his third organization. He has now twice in his career kind of been, you know, the top prospect in a trade. And, and you start to get concerned a little bit when that happens twice because two organizations had him at the top of their list and two organizations moved on from him. Of course, most recently he was with San Diego. He comes over in that, you know, huge trade at the deadline with, you know, the eight players in 2020. And, you know, I know he got off to a little bit of a slow start, but Tramel homered in, in back-to-back games against the Twins and, uh, you know, where does he kind of fit in on the you know list of exciting young players that the Mariners have? Yeah, uh, it's been really interesting. I think I kind of expect him to have sort of a year like Evan White had last year. Hopefully he makes adjustments a little quicker. Um, but what we've seen out of him is a ton of walks, like his, his walk percentage is over 20%, a strikeout percent, and that's at like 50% right now, which obviously needs to come down. Um, so when he's like he's making good swing decisions. He his plate discipline is actually pretty strong. It's just that when he actually gets set to swing at a pitch, he misses a lot of the time. 
Um, and I don't think he's selling out per se. I think it's just, you know, kind of an, an adjustment to uh, Major League Baseball. So I think we're going to see, you know, a lot of struggles over the year, but we're also going to see a lot of excitement. And he's playing center field right now, which he usually doesn't. So I'm, I'm sure that doesn't help. Um, I, I think a lot of the projection systems have him like 30% below league average. I, I hope he doesn't struggle that much. Um, I hope he's a little more towards... I don't know, like a 90 to 100 WRC plus, but um, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if the swing and miss issues persist. And if they do, you know, we might see Trammell get sent down in favor of uh, Kelnick uh, coming on pretty soon here. Yeah, he's obviously the, the big name. And I think the Orioles probably happy that Jared Kelnick is not up yet um, for this four game series that they will not have to face him. But, you know, there's still guys like Luis Torrens is kind of hitting well out of nowhere. Ty France is having a, a great start to his season. So the Mariners definitely have uh, some guys in that lineup who are, are filling some of these holes, um, you know, especially as, you know, maybe Dylan Moore and Evan White and those guys are getting off to great starts. So we'll get back to our Orioles and Mariners chat in just a second. But first, got to tell you about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of of manufacturers. And best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? And the rockauto.com catalog, it's unique and remarkably easy to navigate. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And write Locked On Orioles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. But wanted to talk about the starting pitching uh, for the rest of the series for Seattle. And, you know, it, it starts with an interesting matchup Tuesday night because the Orioles send their ace to the hill in John Means. And on the other side for the Mariners, they send the lefty uh, Margavichis, I believe is the pronunciation there, who has not started a game this year um, and, you know, has struggled really, you know, his whole time with Seattle and with San Diego. So kind of what, what led him into the rotation uh, this week? Yeah, he uh, obviously Paxton got hurt. Um, he was battling for that number six spot with Justin Dunn uh, lost to Justin Dunn because Dunn was flashing. I think he was setting like 95 in spring uh, looked like the command was better, a little more bite on his secondaries um, I haven't been overwhelmed by Dunn in the early goings and he just walked like eight hitters, but, uh, Mark Abages is interesting. He's kind of, uh, in the vein of a sneak or, a, a crafty lefty, um, has some pretty good pitches that like just sneak up on you. He doesn't throw particularly hard. Um, he like, I think last year he had a fastball CSW that was North of, 30%. So um, he's just got like an interesting, interesting mix of pitches um, and certainly isn't someone that's ever going to be an ace. Um, 
kind of, I think will end up in, in kind of a role that he's in right now where he is kind of a swing man, um, whatever, but the, the fastball is good enough where he can throw it as much as he does, which is probably too much. Um, but you know, he's got enough in terms of, uh, a four pitch mix that he can kind of mix it up, but really he just works that fastball. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Dunn who will go in Wednesday's game and, and, you know, he such an interesting pitcher with the amount of guys he has walked, uh, and you know, in, in his first start with the eight walks, uh, you would mm-hmm. think that would come down just because it's, it's hard to walk eight guys, um, to stay in the game long enough to walk eight guys is another thing. Um, but you talked about his control issues and then it'll finish with, with Marco Gonzalez, who you mentioned, um, early, but you know, Marco Gonzalez, I think is a guy who, you know, he will start the the Thursday game in this series. And, and, and he's a guy who not many in baseball know about, but, you know, I think the Marlins expected him to be kind of a good steadying presence in their rotation this year. And uh, I think he's been the one that's, that's really let them down the most through two starts. I mean, five home runs and 12 runs allowed uh, in 10 innings. What, you know, I know you touched on it a little bit already, but what has kind of gone wrong for him and, and how does he, you know, fix that through two starts? He just hasn't been able to locate his pitches as well as he normally does. Um, I kind of have a feeling he hasn't been throwing his cutter as much. So I kind of have a feeling that he just doesn't have it right now. Um, And he's definitely a guy where he has a full pitch mix or a full repertoire where he can really throw anything at you, uh, which obviously helps keep guys off balance. Um, The velo is down a little bit, uh, but only like a touch. So that's something to keep an eye on, I suppose. But really, if he's got that cutter, um, like his his changeups plus his curveball flashes plus. Like I think if he, I wish he would throw more four seamers at the top of the zone, more curveballs below the zone, because uh, I think he could really just do that. Um, but yeah, it's really just command, and I think it's going to come back. I just wrote an article last year about how his command was better than ever. He was repeating his delivery as as well as ever. And actually it would be something to look into. He's probably just, you know, not there yet. It's, it's April. Um, but I think after two starts, you know, he should be kind of getting in the swing of things. He's not someone who struggles for a very long time. Um, he's actually been one of the most consistent players in MLB for the past, uh, really like two or three years. So, um, yeah, once he gets that back, it, it, you know, he should be kind of getting back into his, his groove. Yeah, I will say the Orioles, um, you know, I mentioned earlier, happy that Kelnick is not up yet. Uh, They're definitely lucky that it is a four-game series and they are lucky enough to not face Kikuchi um, in these four games because he has pitched really, really well. But the the last thing I wanted to ask is, you know, I I look at this Mariner bullpen and it really reminds me of the Orioles bullpen right now because it's, you know, some younger guys who are, you know, getting their, their first real chances to be big parts of bullpens and some other guys who are, you know, a little bit older, um, and are, you know, finding different roles, uh, with the new team. So, you know, in this Mariners bullpen, you know, is there a set closer? And if not, you know, who should we look out for at the back end of the bullpen in some close games? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Montero, uh, pretty comfortably Kendall Graveman. It seems like, and I think they should kind of have him in a, a fireman role. Um, because he's, I just wrote an article about him. He's looking better than he's ever looked. Um, Keenan Middleton, I thought, you know, might get some looks, but he's just not, he hasn't made the changes necessarily that I thought he would. And then, uh, Anthony Mish- Mishevitz, um, is kind of the, 
kind of the wild card of the bullpen. Uh, he's a lefty that just kind of gives hitters weird looks. Like he just throws a curveball cutter in the zone that hitters can't really time up. Um, but he just went down with COVID. So um, really, I think what you're looking at in terms of um, the strongest back end options are Rafael Montero, Kendall Graveman, um, and then Wolves has looked good, but I don't think they're going to be giving him any closing looks. And then I got to ask you, Michael, before I let you go, you know, what, what, what is the emotion level knowing that you were very close to having to watch Felix Hernandez in an Oriole uniform face the Mariners this week? Uh, but then, of course, you know, it didn't work out for Felix um, and, and he is a free agent. But we, we were close to Felix making a start <laughs> against Seattle, you know, two weeks into the season. Yeah, man, that was going to be weird. Um, I mean, I, I wrote an article early, early, like before the season last year, where I just wrote about how weird it's going to be not to see Felix as our opening day starter, because it had only happened twice before. One was Marco, uh, one was Eric Bedard, and then he wasn't on the team. Um, but man, to see him like sitting 86 or whatever, 85 during spring is... Uh, it's just so sad to see just because of how dominant he was, how much he loves baseball and because he was sitting 98 early in his career. Um, so I don't know, in some ways I'm glad in some ways I'm sad because it means that, you know, he might be done. Um, so kind of mixed emotions, but I, I think it would have been cool to see him uh, kind of return and, and get a face our club. I think it would have been kind of special, uh, kind of like a, almost closure because we got to do it, you know, against each hero before he inevitably came back to our team. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining the pod to uh, preview this upcoming four game set between, you know, a couple of teams who, you know, have probably won more games than people thought through these first nine games. And we'll see if they can continue that this season. Uh, but go ahead and let everybody know, you know, where they can find your work um, and find you if they want to know more about the Seattle Mariners, especially uh, with the O's and the M's set to uh, face off this week. Yeah, you can find me, uh, my work at PitcherList and Lookout Landing, um, the former for just players and uh, the latter for Mariners players. Um, I have kind of just a general MLB podcast called Clubhouse Naptime, uh, of course, uh, which alludes to the time that Ken Griffey Jr. fell asleep in the clubhouse and couldn't pinch hit. Um, and then also a Mariners podcast called It's Never Sunny in Seattle, um, you can find me on Twitter at DistaiMikey, D-Y-S-T-H-Y-M-I-K-E-Y. Um, I think that about covers it, but yeah, just excited to, to watch this series this week. So back to more Orioles and Mariners talk in a second, but first got to tell you about BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Now, we've got the NBA season going on, the NHL season going on, and of course, Major League Baseball, and then you've got your golf tournaments going on as well. Bet online, it's not just sports, though. Even cover award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and best of all, it's free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your mobile device now to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON, and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit over at betonline.ag. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Connor Newcomb back here with you on Locked on Orioles. Our thanks again out to Michael Hedo. Again, he told you right there at the end where you can find him at the Never Sunny in Seattle podcast over at Pitcher List where he does some writing as well. And at Lookout Landing, the SB Nation blog that covers the Seattle Mariners. A good look into the Seattle team. You know, kind of interesting, you know, the guys who have really, really broken out in this lineup. And even the guys who have struggled like Taylor Trammell and Evan White, you know, are the guys who are supposed to be pieces of their future. They don't even have Kyle Lewis yet, uh, who was the AL Rookie of the Year last year. He has been injured, uh, but the Orioles won't see him. They won't see Jared Kelnick yet, who is, you know, the top prospect from the Mets. And the big thing for the O's that we mentioned, you know, they will see four starting pitchers. None of them are Yusei Kikuchi, uh, who has been their ace uh, this year so far. He's been really, really good. Uh, Bounce back from a, a tough 2020 for him, and uh, Orioles lucky to, to miss him. Uh, but wanted to preview uh, the doubleheader for Tuesday before we go. But first, got to tell you about two other podcasts here on the Locked On Podcast Network. First, it is the Locked On Today podcast, as you can join host Peter Bukowski and get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski gives you the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. And for you fantasy baseball players out there, you can be a waiver wire winner with the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. So a doubleheader now on Tuesday after Monday's game was postponed at Camden Yards because of rain in the city, and uh, the Orioles and the Mariners will play two. Remember, uh, it is, again, seven-inning doubleheaders once again this year. That was something started last season, uh, and it continues here in 2021. So the Orioles and the Mariners will play two seven-inning games starting at 4 o'clock on Tuesday. And that first game, it will be the matchup we did not preview with Michael because we thought would have already happened by the time of the recording of this podcast But it will be the young left-hander Justice Sheffield, 24-year-old lefty. He will make the start for the Mariners. Remember, he was a pretty highly touted prospect with the Yankees. He was eventually traded over to the Mariners back in 2018 in the deal for James Paxton. He was originally a first-round pick by Cleveland that went to the Yankees in the Andrew Miller trade back in 2016. Uh, But Sheffield so far this season for the Mariners has made one start. It was uh, a little rough. Five innings, six runs, four earned, eight hits, five Ks, two walks, one home run allowed in his first start of the year for the Mariners. He will pitch against the Orioles. For Sheffield, though, it will actually be his second career start against the Orioles. He also started at Camden Yards back on September 21st of 2019, the last time these two teams met. And uh, Sheffield got hit around a little bit in that game by the O's. He lasted just four and a third, allowed four runs on five hits, did have five Ks to one walk, one hit batter, uh, but only threw 60 pitches. Orioles really jumped on him in that game. It was a game the Orioles eventually won seven to six over Seattle. He will go up against Dean Kramer, who of course, you know, came up last year, has never faced the Seattle Mariners. Uh, His one start against New York last week was okay. Wasn't great. He looked shaky with the command. Three innings, three runs, five hits, five Ks, four walks, and a homer allowed. He'll obviously try to get deeper into the game, avoid the walks, and the big thing for Kramer, got to start getting ahead of some hitters. So hopefully Dean can do that 
uh, in that first game of the doubleheader. And then game two, we talked about the matchup a little bit as Nick Margavichis will start for Seattle. He is also a 24-year-old left-hander, so the Orioles will face back-to-back lefties. He was a Padres seventh-round pick back in 2017, actually was selected off waivers by the Mariners in January of 2020. Another guy who has never faced the Orioles, uh, but Margavichis, this will be his first start of the year. He's made two relief appearances this year, four and two-thirds innings, four runs, four hits, four Ks, a walk, and two home runs allowed. Uh, Last season, he did make seven starts, had a 4.57 ERA for the lefty, so we'll see if the Orioles can get to him. He, of course, will face off with John Means in Game 2, and it is John Means Day once again. He's gone 11 and two-thirds, allowed one run on eight hits, nine Ks, two walks. In his two starts so far, we'll get to see him for a third time. It's really just a treat at this point uh, to watch John Means pitch. So after that rough weekend against the Red Sox, Orioles getting swept. They face a team uh, at a lower talent level here in the Seattle Mariners, a doubleheader to start a four-game series. Again, starts at 4 o'clock, and hopefully... uh, Hopefully the Euros can get a couple of wins in this doubleheader and maybe get back over 500 and get things uh, feeling a little better in Birdland. But also here on the pod later in the week coming up, uh, we are going to, in a couple of days, preview the Rangers because they come in this weekend. We'll do that on Friday. Uh, But either tomorrow or Thursday, we're going to do a mailbag episode here on the pod as well. So make sure to get your questions in. You can email us at LockedOnOrioles at gmail.com or tweet me at Connor Newcomb underscore. Tweet the podcast account at LockedOnOrioles or DM either account. The DMs are open to get in those mailbag questions. We will answer them on either a mailbag Wednesday or mailbag Thursday episode coming up this week. But until then, this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.